0: welcome back to the book right podcast gonna do a little bit of a shorter episode this time trying something else this in our age of experimentation and adaptation we are going to adapt um, our book nerd movie club just a little bit by letting you guys get in on the game early in the selection process stage of the game we have a say, Rebecca, 40 or 50 like long list m- mm-hmm. movie book combos that we're interested in sometimes. So we, we're going to talk about five candidates, um, talk about for a few minutes each why we're interested in it, and then we're going to pick the one you guys vote for, um, email us, podcast at bookriot.com, tell the selection you'd like. You don't have to rank or order them, you can if you want to, I, only, I will only collect <laughs> your number one, if you want to say anything else about it, um, that would be great, so... We'll keep, probably for a couple weeks, we'll keep the um, voting open and then um, we'll let you know uh, what we picked with a couple weeks lead time if you want to read and watch before that. So we thought we'd try that um, for that. The other thing I want to say too, I'm not sure there'll be any graduations this year of any kind. I don't know, but in about. You know about a month from now we'd normally be doing our mom's dad's and grads recommendation show where you email us in recommendation reading recommendation requests for mom's dad's grads and yourself or anyone else um, and we thought we'd go ahead and open those up as well emails podcast at bookwright dot com as well for those we'll start collecting those and um you've got a few weeks to do that, but while you're home while you're thinking about it, just shoot us two emails at once right for your vote and your request and we'll get to them. And we thought maybe we'll open up a little bit early because people are looking for books to read. Um, We had really nice response. Uh, I forwarded Rebecca a couple of things to the travel Mm -hmm. book and memoir. I think I called it um, Anywhere But Here uh, book (laughs) recommendations. (laughs) Um, And that was a lot of fun. We're going to think of some other, I don't know, curated lists like that um, Mm -hmm. to to do in the future. So before we get started and roll out our nominees... Yeah. uh, Before we roll out our nominees, let's do a sponsor.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Random House, publishers of Wild Ground by Emily Usher. A story of first love that will break your heart. Wild Ground is a bittersweet novel that follows two teenagers whose all-consuming relationship is tested by the forces of class, prejudice, and addiction in a small English town. From the beginning, it has always been Neaf and her beautiful, troubled mother, Chrissy. When they move to a small town to follow Chrissy's older boyfriend, it's a chance to start over. And on the first day in their new home, she meets Danny and the two form a friendship that gives way to the slow burn of romance as they grow up, desperate to escape the confines of their world and the forces that hold their families hostage, like substance abuse, poverty, and racism. Now, this is perfect for fans of things like normal people, euphoria, and sex education. It centers working class women in small town England. It's steeped in the dialect and lyricism of Northern England. So make sure to check out Wild Ground by Emily Usher. And thanks again to Random House, publishers of Wild Ground by Emily Usher for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by World Editions, publisher of Salamalik by Khaled al-Asmael. In this unflinching story about Arab masculinity and homoeroticism, Farat, a Syrian in his early 20s, visits Sibki Park in Damascus, one of the city's most popular cruising areas. There he learns about the Hammams, secret meeting places for gay men located throughout the old city. So inside these public baths, the air is thick with the scent of bay laurel soap, and naked men hide in the steam. Ferd faces sometimes violent disapproval from all levels of society, regime, religion, the man in the street, you name it. And yet he manages to find the love he's been seeking just before his world collapses and he's forced to flee. Find out more about Salamlik by Khaled al translated from the Arabic by Larry Price at indiepubs.com slash products slash salamlik. That's S-E-L-A-M-L-I-K. And thanks again to World Editions, publisher of Salamlik by Khaled al for sponsoring this episode.
0: Break. All right. So we've got five nominees. Let's take them one at a time. Which, which, This is in no particular order. We're not trying to give away. I don't know if we have a preference. We like all these. We're interested in all these. Mm-hmm. That's where we're on the list. We don't have a um, one we're trying to dodge or one we're hoping to goose the ballots for. So what should we tell them about first?
2: Let's talk about Field of Dreams. I think we just okay. got to start there.
0: I mean, I guess maybe I just lied about the one we want people to pick. I, <laughs> I, not that I care if people pick this. We're going to do this at some point.
2: Yeah, this will definitely happen at some point.
0: And when we first started talking about the idea of this format, like this this one was maybe the top of the list. It was that in Jurassic Park. And maybe there's a couple others we haven't talked Dan about yet. Brown. Dan Brown. Oh, yeah, right. Well, since we did that right off the bat. Um, but maybe the number one um, obvious choice for us Um, Why don't you talk about uh, Field of Dreams and why and whatever? Why should we do that one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's probably surprising. It's not on any of the lists if you Google around for like best book or best movies based on books. This is just a deeply Jeff Rebecca shared wheelhouse (laughs) situation where we have both loved this movie for a very long time (laughs) um quotes from it are in i think our vernaculars with like people in our personal lives and in our vernacular with each other um and it's just lovely it's a movie that we both deeply love it's based on a novel called shoeless joe by wp kinsella which came out in 1982 the movie with kevin costner was of course 1989 um he hears a voice if you build it they will come
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of Just Some Stupid Love Story. So in Just Some Stupid Love Story by Caitlin Doyle, Molly and Seth were best friends turned lovers until Molly ghosted Seth on the eve of their high school graduation, which is very trifling, I might add. So now they've reunited again at their high school reunion 15 years later, and they make a bet. Whoever can predict the fate of five couples before the next reunion must declare that the other is right about true love. But what is the catch, you might ask? Well, the catch is that the fifth couple is them. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a callback to the best 90s and early 2000s rom-coms. If you like When Harry Met Sally or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, this will be right up your alley. This is also perfect for fans of romance readers of Emily Henry. Catherine Center and others like that make sure to check it out and thanks again to Flatiron Books publisher of Just Some Stupid Love Story for sponsoring this episode today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark from the best-selling author of the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle comes a new mystery A fog has swept the planet, killing anyone it touched except for the island where villagers and scientists live in harmony. The villagers content to do what they're told by the scientists. But then one of the beloved scientists is found brutally stabbed to death. And they realize the security system around the island has malfunctioned and has wiped everyone's memories of exactly what happened the night before. So someone on the island is a murderer and they don't even know know it. Best-selling author Stuart Turton is a major voice in the mystery space. The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle and his second novel, The Devil and the Dark Water, have sold over 450,000 copies and become a TikTok phenomenon. He's received fantastic reviews from best-selling authors and major outlets. Make sure to check out his latest work, The Last Murder at the End of the World. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. He figures out that it's
2: about allowing there to be a baseball diamond in his cornfield. Mm-hmm. They're not in heaven; they're in Iowa. Um, and I've never read the book. Have you read the book?
0: I did. So my own relationship to this: I was a huge baseball nerd as a kid. This came out of 1989. I was 11 year old. 11 years old. I was playing little league baseball. Collecting baseball cards was my number one hobby. And then I also was a huge collector really into my 20s of books about baseball. So if Mm. there was a book about baseball, I surely read it and probably owned it. And uh, Eight Men Out, um, this true story, uh, a fictionalized version, but um, the account of the 1919 Black Sox scandal came out just six months before Field of Dreams did in 1989. And there's a Shoeless Joe in both books. I read both books. I really like them both. I haven't returned to W.P. Kinsella's Shrewless Joe since I was a kid. I remember really liking it. Um, as you might imagine, if you know Field of Dreams at all, the main character's name is Kinsella. So it's not autobiographical, of course, but it is <laughs> not not autobiographical in a way. It's <laughs> sort of emotionally autobiographical. Yeah. Emotionally autobiographical. And it's the time of year to do a baseball movie, right? Spring training, baseball season would have started now. The weather's turning. It's not quite the late, summer midwestern when the corn is as high as an elephant eyes you kind of need to be right in the pocket for field of dreams um, as you know, as someone who grew up in the Midwest, that's, you know, July, August, hot kind of days. But you know what? We we can do whatever we want. There are no yeah. rules here, to, to use a movie quote that Michelle and I use all the time. <laughs> rules? There are no rules here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, a was... great, it's a great movie and that way. You we, you could get to the book for the first time and maybe introduce other people to the book. Yeah, so that's another reason yeah. to do it.
2: I was seven when the movie came out. And I've known this movie for as long as I remember a movie. So I think we must have seen it very quickly when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I love an uplifting sports story. I loved the magic of this movie oh. when I was a kid, and the older that I get, the more layers to it I find related mm. to like the literary mm. stuff. and there's that whole interesting subplot around book banning. Yes, and there's just a lot going on in this movie, and my notes say pro, we will definitely cry. con, we will definitely cry we'll <laughs>
0: definitely cry, yeah, <laughs> so. it depends on how you go. fathers and sons, um and parents and kids too as as the as the movie turns into that. Regret, hope, redemption—it's great. Um, the Field of Dreams, highly recommend it. All right, uh, I'll pick the next one. Let's go with Fried Green Tomatoes, based on the Fanny Flag Breakout Book Club. I can, I'd, I'd like to go back in time and know what the discourse around Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistlestop Cafe was when it came out, um, but then turned into a really a really well-regarded and fun and moving movie called Fried Green Tomatoes. Which feels ahead of its time now in thinking about it. Do you see what yes. do you think so? Like I was sort of I, thinking about the plot. I'm like, this uh-huh. movie could come out today, I feel like.
2: Yeah, this is one of my perpetual rewatchables. If it's on cable, I will you know, pick up wherever it is and watch the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie d- probably dozens of times, um, and I do think it's ahead of its time. It's like the proto female revenge thriller in yes. a way, without quite being a thriller. But it's a female, it's a women revenge story about um, well, women getting revenge against a an abusive husband um, and the women's friendships that drive the center of the story are wonderful mary Stuart masterson and mary louise parker and um, like early in the careers for both of them and kathy bates doing something that we don't usually get to see kathy bates do which is like be mm. a little bit silly there's just a lot of there's a lot of stuff about women's lives on the screen here this is another one where i've seen the movie a million times and i've never read the book i'm a little bit afraid of how a a 1987 book of any variety might hold up but i'm prepared to look at it as an object of its time
0: Mm -hmm. um fanny flag who wrote the novel and then wrote the screenplay uh that you know the for the movie interesting person her own right she was miss alabama um (laughs) Later, she um, had a relationship with the American writer Me- Rita Mae Brown, um, also was lived with for eight years with a formal soap opera actress named Susan Flannery. Um, so a bit of dish in the background, uh, she herself was an actress who had bit roles in Five easy pieces in Greece, so there's a lot going on there. So the um, I go- reader I googled it part of <laughs> fried green tomatoes would be really good, and I'd be curious too. This was a 1991 movie, again, sort of in my wheelhouse for a young person, you know, watching movies and experiencing things that they wouldn't have access to as a you know young white straight kid um, in a college town in the Midwest. Mary Louise Parker, which I'm always into, a very, very, one of her very early roles. Mm -hmm. Kathy Bates, I think this is the movie that kind of made Kathy Bates, Kathy Bates as Evelyn Couch. Um, Anyway, directed by John Avnet, who has gone on to do uh, a lot of TV, but not much else from there. So that's Fried Green Tomatoes. The novel is 1987, the movie 19. 91. Not, there are a lot of 90s movies. <laughs> maybe not surprising for us as children of the 90s um, in a lot of ways. Uh, where do you want to go next? So that's, Let's do... that's, our, that's a Candidate 2. That's
2: yeah, a candidate Here's two. so uh, Candidate 2, Candidate 3 is The English Patient, uh, mm. the novel by Michael Ondaatje. Ondaatje, uh, I believe, and, is how you yes. say that. Yes. Uh, book came out in 1992. The movie came out in 1996. Um, so I was 10 when the book came out. 14 when the movie came out, I remember the movie being like the thing that everyone talked about, yeah. and all of the yep. Oscar buzz, but definitely had the idea that this was like a movie that a 14 year old kid was not going to care about. So I did mm-hmm. not see it when I was young. I think I've only seen parts of the movie. Mm. Um, I could not tell you without Googling a synopsis what this is about. I've also never read the book. My most prominent cultural like touchstone related to The English Patient is the Seinfeld episode where Elaine goes to <laughs> yes. see it like against her will and she hates it and everyone is mad at her for hating it and somehow from that my perception like I, until about 24 hours ago, when I was doing prep for this episode, I thought that the movie was like seven hours long. Like I have been walking through the world with the assumption that this book is super duper long, and the movie is super duper long. And that's one of the things that people don't like about it. And both of those are wrong. The book is like Mm -hmm. a completely normal novel length, 330 and thirty-ish pages, Mm -hmm. the movie is less than three hours long. So I don't know where that came from other than Seinfeld. This would be I think the most discovery for mm. me um I'm less familiar with either the book or the movie here than with anything else on our list. Let
0: me disabuse you of a couple of things <laughs> and disabuse the world for of a couple of things. About the movie, I I like the movie and the book of the candidates we might ever do for the for this the book is a lot different than the movie structurally and some other things, which is fascinating. I like them both very much. My primary relationship is with the movie. Let me disabuse... The movie's long. It's set in North Africa during World War II. There's a lot of sand. That is true. But this book is hot. The finds Kirsten Scott Thomas dynamic is... It's not subtext. It is smoldering. You know, there, there's some stuff. You'll never hear the phrase super notch without squirming ever Ooh, again I'm after watching already. this. Um, it it is wonderful, and it was a prestige movie. It was like kind of the first of the Weinstein mirror again. That name Mm -hmm. is tainted, but the independent movie as dominating the artistic commercial crossover Oscar Beatty kind of a space. This was the movie that did that, and it is it is a E.M. Forster kind of novel, and we have one of those on here too, where it's about relationships. The plot's really good. Finds is. Uh, a, he, he's a force of nature in mm-hmm. this. Like this this time for fines, you know, remember he's in Schindler's List, he's in this. Like people are like, is he the greatest actor that's ever lived? Like is he, Is is he? you know, um, Olivier? And I think to this case, he makes, you know, a pretty compelling case to be Olivier for a lot of uh, furrowing brows among sand dunes um, <laughs> as uh, Olivier did in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. It, I think it's great. It's not, it doesn't feel as long. Also, um, I've rewatched this recently this movie really, really benefits from our modern TV setups where you have a big TV in high def because it is freaking gorgeous. Like you get these overhead shots of them flying biplanes over North Africa, and it's magnificent. It looks like it could be one of those 3D Max movies you see at like a natural history museum, Um, that kind of cinematography too. I love this movie. Um, It's probably the most difficult book Uh, that we would yet have encountered, but it's not horribly long. It's not like Finnegan's Wake or (laughs) Duxbury Port or whatever that book is called that (laughs) there's no way I'm going to read, but people keep talking about. Um, uh, What am I going to... Let's see, I'm going to leave the one... I'm going to leave yours for you. Let's do that. Um, So that means I'm going to pick Remains of the Day as candidate four. I just mentioned it. Um, Again, an early 90s uh, period piece. Really, James James Ivory is now at this... uh, at the point that Remains of the Day come out, becoming the ivory merchant machine that we'll see later. He's already done the Bostonians and a couple other things, so it's not his first rodeo. But this one has Hopkins, uh, Emma Thompson. Um, The plot is set amongst, um, I think it's early 20th century, because there's definitely cars in it. It's been a while since I've seen or read the book. So it's a little bit later than your typical sort of manor play. But Anthony Hopkins is a long-serving butler to uh, uh, his lord who's recently died and he goes on a little motoring trip um to go see a former colleague a housekeeper and they had a thing apparently and he in the way that you know loyal servants would could maybe try to stir up a thing with someone kind of goes back to see if there's something there and i'm not going to spoil it too much but that's basically the plot it's beautiful it's a lot of staring with feelings um (laughs) while wearing formal wear which i'm a big (laughs) fan of this genre i'm just saying That's what... Am I wrong? I'm not wrong about that.
2: (laughs) You're not. Actually, I don't know if I've seen... The movie. Oh, okay. Um, You've read the book, though? I've read the book a couple okay. of times. The oh, first, a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, the okay. first time was in college. I, w- I was in college. It was not a, an assignment, but it was in that phase of my reading life where I was trying to read things that I had the idea were important yeah. and i right. pick up on authors that I thought were important and that I hadn't read before. So I picked up a paperback of Remains of the Day from the good old buy two, get one free paperback mm-hmm. favorites table at a Barnes and Noble and just read it and it was my introduction to Ishiguru. and I I mean what a fascinating author because like very few writers do such different things in every single novel like there's just there are no two Ishiguru novels that are similar to each other in my experience and um, Remains of the Day I just remember being like knocked over by how quiet And powerful Mm. it was. And I love a story about a person who's like either at the end of their life looking back or taking some like moment of pause to reflect. And I remember it's been probably a decade since the last time that I read it, but I remember loving that like looking this like quest for meaning of like, here's what I've done with my life and I need to make it meaningful. And he's on this drive, sort of also asking himself these questions about his life and this potential rekindled romance. But it's like right after World War II and the person that he works for is maybe a Nazi sympathizer or had connections. And so that... Yeah,
0: like, it's, a little, it's a little unclear in yeah, my memory it's, exactly how that's supposed to be. There's a lot
2: of... I remember there being a lot of like just interesting sort of moral ambiguity stuff to chew on. I wonder now mm-hmm. as a person who's closer to midlife than I was on either of my previous readings, what that kind of reflection would yeah. be like. And I think that I should probably watch the movie because I trust Anthony Hopkins to stare longingly while wearing formal wear. Um,
0: uh-huh. uh, and I, I think remember it being really this beautiful. movie and Howard's end because they are both, I mean, period pieces starring Anthony Hopkins and Anna Thompson and directed by James Ivory I actually think that has done them a disservice in time because they, they get confused in my mind. And I know mm. <laughs> the books and I know the movies. But, like, which is the one with the guy? Which is the one where they're adversaries and which is the one where they're proto, not quite maybe lovers? And because uh, and it came out, it's so weird. They came out one year after each other. Like, it was yeah. the next project um, for all the people involved. And go, for a million years, I was younger. You could have told me that Ian um, e. Forster wrote. Uh, remains of the day and I would a thousand percent have believed you because it seems possible it totally Um, does yeah yeah anyway, that that interesting back to back
2: yeah I think that's this is one of those where the difference in what I read and what I watch really comes out that I Mm. have loved the book um, but it had never seemed like a pressing thing to me to watch the movie so I'd be interested in, in that and the last one
0: candidate five
2: candidate five the devil wears Prada the book by Lauren Weisberger from 2003, the movie starring mm. Anne Hathaway, Meryl Streep, and Emily Blunt, and that guy from Entourage from 2006. Ugh, unfortunate. <laughs> Adrian Grenier. Yeah.
0: I'm sure he's a very nice fellow.
2: Yeah, I have never read the book. This is another like uh, sort of flip version of the gap between what I read Mm -hmm. and what I watch. But I feel like this movie has been a part of me forever. Actually, when I was researching, I was like, oh, it just came out in 2006. Like, I feel like I have been watching The Devil Wears Prada since I was in high school.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, Um, it is much more of a cable TV, oh, let's leave this on kind of a movie than, say, Remains of the (laughs) dead.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the movie is definitely one of my rewatchables. I'm concerned about the book. I'm aware that there are significant differences between the book and the movie. So I don't know um, how generally positive the discussion would be, or even interesting, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. enough for it to have made the list.
0: Yeah, and Anne Hathaway at this point in 2006 is... Ascend. It's so interesting to see Anne Hathaway now, and this was really mm-hmm. before the weirdly defining Oscar hosting moment she had with James Fra- Franco, where her earnestness in wanting it changed the direction of how people understood her. And then I think she became self-aware now and like reflects on it now like in Ocean's yeah. 8. You can see Anne Hathaway playing... Kind of a knowing version of an- Anne Hathaway character, but at this moment she's like, Oh, is Anne Hathaway julia roberts she maybe maybe she is yeah, um mm-hmm. kind of a story but the 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 icon here, the icon doing icon things, Meryl, Streep. oh yeah yes. um as miranda priestley i've never read the book either i'd be curious to see um maybe number five on my picks mm-hmm. uh, i wouldn't be mad to do this, but um uh, i i don't I don't have ready made uh affinity to convey uh, around it except that streep is incredible um also i mean you get some people that you just like you get your emily blunts you get your stanley tucci's um you get your simon bakers uh you get a very 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 young giselle uh as being a giselle avatar as two as, as i remember oh, right. um yeah. from this as well so those are five let me go through them once again they are uh in no particular order this is the order we talked about them field of dreams Fried Green Tomatoes aka Fried cr- Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe Fried Green Tomatoes is just a better title it shouts really is. to the movie makers who to cut that off uh, Field of Dreams Remains of the Day The English Patient and Devil Wears Prada I was going to say should we guess what people are going to vote for but that's will that will that influence the voting? Yeah,
1: let's
2: not let's not uh taint the well. We can
0: talk about it off- offline and then if mm-hmm. we're, we'll talk about whether or not we guessed right or wrong. And you know, we'll do the whole thing. We'll let people know, you know, what the number 1 vote getter was and what the order. And everyone would be curious to know. Um, your, your votes will remain anonymous. you listeners out there we're not going to go uh, one by one and do sort of a congressional <laughs> roll call the listener from Columbus votes yay on remains of the day um, we're not going to do any of that kind of stuff um, all right so let us know um, I hope this has been interesting to hear. Let us know if you like this format mm-hmm. to give yourself some time to to watch and decide. I did. I should. We maybe should have checked to see what was available streaming easily. Uh. I didn't think about that. That might be a wrinkle for the future um, because we had some other candidates we thought about popping in, and it, it might have been enough to get someone switch dinner out if it was available mm-hmm. easily on Netflix. I mean, now you can rent everything for a few bucks, um, so I'm not worried about people being able to watch it writ large. But maybe we could save a few people who wanted to play along a few bucks that way so we'll keep that in mind for next time
2: yeah and our email where you can cast your vote is podcast at bookriot.com
0: that's the only way um we're gonna get at us rebecca talk to you tomorrow for for news
2: yep have a good one